Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. Uh, so, uh, we're gonna start this episode off by revisiting our Renaissance ratings. Uh, we released that episode that went through all the cards last time, and. Uh, that one was recorded quite a while ago, and we just couldn't release it. Two and a half months ago, yeah. Right, right. Right after the set was released. Yeah, so this is us taking a brief look at our ratings now compared to those. So we're going to look at anywhere where we might be differing, and, and anywhere where we uh, stay the same, we feel like it's worth mentioning that we're staying the same. Yeah. Uh, and after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the card's scheme. Uh, so that's what's in store for you on this episode of Making Luck. A Dominion podcast. Nice. Yeah. So uh, why don't we start off with any ratings that we would change on Renaissance cards based on our experience from the last two and a half months. Yeah, sure. So uh, you have more of these, so you go first. Sure, sure. So uh, my first one that I would notably change is Lackeys. I only gave Lackeys a five, and I would switch it to like a seven or an eight. Uh, Now... I'm not going to say that I was, like, wrong about anything I said about lackeys. I stand by all that. What I didn't really... Like, I called out that getting those villagers preemptively uh, and the lackeys not really being looked at as a card in your deck, more just, like, this thing that uh, you can buy, this... uh, And, you know, not really being divorceable from the villagers that come with it. Uh, that's all true. I just didn't really appreciate how good that is. Like, you can, like, open with the lackeys or get them turn three or what have you and protect yourself from a collision that way. It's a really powerful card. And I think that the amount of times when lackeys has been out, I haven't gotten any. I've been very few and far between, if any. It's really stinking good. Yeah. Just being able to, like, buy villager tokens effectively... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's really powerful because, uh, I mean, you can have a situation where you know you're going to need them. Yeah. And then compensate for that, and now you have these villager tokens, which are really strong anyway. I mean, and, you know, of course, the villager tokens letting you build your deck out of order, like we talked about on the episode, where you get to, like, start over terminally and getting payload and terminal deck control early, and then build into the village support later. It's a really strong way to build your deck. The lackeys lend themselves to that quite easily uh, because you get the villagers on demand. Yeah. So uh, we kind of said all that. I just don't think I gave it enough credit for how good it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I originally gave it an 8, by the way. Yeah. So I'm closer to Adam's rating than I am to my previous one. Yeah. Uh, my next one that I want to change is Acting Troop. I gave Acting Troop a 5, and I want to switch that to a 3 or a 4. Uh, and that might be generous. So here's the thing. I, I put these next to each other for a reason because it's interesting uh, because they both give villagers, but the way that they give them makes them so day and night to me because you have to sh- uh, get the acting troop and then shuffle it in, and then you get the villagers, which are nice to have. But in the meantime, you've had to spend your buy in $3 on this, and so you don't get to do the thing that like Lackeys lets you do, which is you know, preemptively have the villagers and protect against yeah, terminal you get collision. to play the card to get the villagers yeah, instead of gain the card. You're at the whimsy of the shuffle, and, like, it's not really worth that to me to have this expendable village if I'm going to be at the whimsy of a shuffle anyway. So I actually think 
that this is the worst village in the game. There was some discussion on the Discord channel with uh, several people, including both of us. Yes. And and a few other people. And there were. Jake wasn't the only one arguing that Acting Troop is the worst village in the game. Like, worse than Native Village. And we had to define the scope of what is the worst village in the game. and, And I think. It's relevant here because it's not it's not right. bad at being a village because that's what it does right, it, but it's but it's a bad card that is a village. I right? think, it, and that's yeah, what you're saying. I mean, it's bad at at continuing to be a village, obviously, because it runs out. You have to keep spending money and buys on it, and that's sure. the, that's the big problem with it. Um, and like sure. that's all true of lackeys too, which I gave a nine, which is funny, uh, eight or seven or eight just now, but. You know the way that you're doing it makes it so different. The delivery mechanism for these villagers. So yeah, there are some people arguing it's the worst village in the game. I think that's absolutely nuts. The fact that it is a village and like isn't awful at being a village. Sure. Like, I can't give it a rating of below six for that because playing more than one terminal action in a turn, yeah, it's completely OP, and I just couldn't. I can't justify giving it a low rating. That said, if you compare it to other villages. I think there are definitely villages that are just unilaterally worse. Like Shantytown says hi. I think Nobles is a worse card. And, you know, a lot of people voiced their disagreements with that. I think both of those are better than Acting True, just personally. But Adam has valid points that they're not. Yeah, I mean, we're not... It doesn't matter. One card um, being better than another card, that doesn't mean anything, right? Let's yeah. just make sure we're clear about how nebulous this whole thing is. But I just think... I mean, you build your deck differently if you're going to use Acting Troop as a village. This is true. It has different families of support and synergy that it really likes to have, and other cards may not like it. I think Shantytown is a bad card in pretty much every <laughs> deck you could possibly put it in, except for one copy in a deck full of a bunch of non-terminals. Woo! We did. It's a great village, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, all that is valid, and I do want to point out that even though I'm calling this the worst village in the game... I still can't really bring myself to give it below a three or a four, and that just speaks to how good villages are. Yeah, just villages are game. great. Like, even though I think this card is maybe the weakest one in Renaissance, I'm not really sure about that, uh, but I still can't really rate it too low. It is still a village. Right. I think, uh, I mean, a lot of these come down to the fact that it's really hard to have a good rating system sure. that's uni- universally accepted by everyone. Uh, there's going to be a, an article published on my blog in the next couple days after this is this podcast episode is published uh, about a little bit of a study I did on what just people think uh, certain terms mean, and one of them is what makes a card good. And you're going to find that there's really no agreement on that one, and yeah. that makes the whole discussion we're having... Um, I don't want to say pointless. Well, it's not pointless but... because the discussion part is important. The conclusions you come away with as to which yeah. cards are better, that, nebulous. you can throw that out. But the discussion <laughs> part, the critical thinking of evaluating what these cards are doing in your deck, that's yeah. the important part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hard agree with that one. Yeah. Um, so I understand you have a couple to go through as yeah, well. Yeah, so um, I originally ranked Seer, I rated it a 7, and uh, <clears throat> I want to change that to an 8. Uh, basically, I don't know why I rated it a 7. I was like, Seer, I want to rate this the same as Lab, because they're very similar in what they do, and I think they're very similar in power level. Seer has a higher upside, but it can't draw other Seers, and a lower downside. Great, whatever. I think it comes out in the wash enough that they should get the same rating. For some reason, I thought I rated Lab a 7, which is 
wrong. I rated it an 8, so I yeah. went back and I checked my old ratings. I'm like, oh, look, Lab's an 8. I should make Seer an 8. Great. I don't think my opinion on the card has changed at all. Sure. It's just the number I assigned to it, which is yet another thing. It's ratings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'll agree with that. Like, your, your reasoning for ranking Seer and Lab in the same breath is sound. Um, if you ask me which one which one is better, a more powerful card, I'm going to say Seer, but... I'm going to say it depends on the board. It does depend on the board. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I understand uh, where you're coming from. Man, they're both such good cards, though. Lab and Seer are really good cards. Yeah. 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 No argument. Uh, so, the... The one that the next one I changed is research. Uh, if you remember, I was really high on research in the you liked episode. opening with it, and I was like, "It's orange, raw." Well, I still like opening with it if you're gonna get it. Like, well, I mean, if you're gonna get cards, it, so yeah. like you know, um, you've got to do it sometimes. But raw, like, I, yeah. I mean, I think that you do open with it if you're gonna get it. Um, and I and I gave it an eight. Uh, I'm bringing that down to a six. I still think it's a good card. It trashes cards and it's non-terminal. But I just really overestimated how good it is it can be a really sad trasher it can be like in the same vein as like you know not quite trade route because it is you know non-terminal but if you miss a state with it in the first two turns you're so sad and like there are times when uh it's even like actively harmful for your deck because of like some of the weird archive effect stuff of making Mm. things miss and not being able to draw them it can just be uh once you have semi-good control of your deck, it becomes a really bad trasher, eventually a liability. Trashers tend to do that, but uh, anyway, I was just way too high on research. Everything, I think I nailed correctly the role of the card. Uh, I just think that I overestimated how powerful that is. Yeah. So I think I agree with your new assessment here. Yeah. But I, I think I gave you crap for it last time. I thought... I, Possibly. I wasn't nearly as warm on research as you. I'm glad yeah. you're seeing the light. It's good. It trashes cards. Trashing cards is pretty good to do. But lots of things trash cards. Trashing is great. Kind of like villages. Those are great, too. Uh, speaking of trashing, <laughs> and Adam's going to be happy about this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Cathedral. Um, I 10 gave, out of 10. I gave, ah. it, I gave it a 7 originally, and I'm taking that up to a 9. Uh, nice. Which is really the same thing as my 10, right? Right, basically. <laughs> Yeah, Cathedral's so good. There are so many boards where you lose for skipping it, like, for like for sure. If you don't get it, you're going to lose. Like, th- it's so good that a lot of the time on a 5-2, you just open Cathedral nothing and cry. Like, you yeah. just do that, and, like, the only times that I think you can get away, possibly, with skipping it are when there's a discard attack. Still, sometimes you have to get it. Yeah. Um, or when there's, like, Donate or Chapel. Um, and between Cathedral and Chapel, man, there are pros and cons. I can't tell you which one's better. Like, they're I can different. tell you Cathedral is better. Well, they're different. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so... They're uh, different in that Cathedral is better. Yeah, that's, but, I mean, that's not entirely true, but it's better. It's really hard to justify skipping Cathedral, and a lot of the time, people have been, like, skipping it on me online, and... Man, those and are just... destroy them. Those are just free wins. Yeah. Like, I just win for free, yeah. because they didn't buy Cathedral. It's um, really easy to get turned off to the card, because uh, eventually you might not have a good or a bad card to trash, and you might have to trash a good card. And I mean, it feels bad to do that. Don't get me wrong. But you're However, so far ahead. But you've already won the game. Yeah. <laughs> so that feels good enough that I'm okay. Yeah. You I know? you know I trash a gold 
on my turn and still buy a province, that's fine. I have six of the provinces. Or you trash a province and you buy another province. Sure. Because you've already won the game. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So uh, Cathedral is pretty good. I've uh, taken to a certain term where there are times when you uh, don't want to buy Cathedral, but you need to. Like, when there's a discard attack, but you also really need that tempo boost. Oh, yeah. Um, And I've taken to calling that the catheter. Yeah, uh, which because well, catharoni. Yeah, because it's like it's not the trashing you deserve, but it's the trashing you need, and it's <laughs> it's it causes discomfort um, because like I you know on a good discomfort catheter. Yeah, yeah in the middle, uh, like the best example I can think of is like there's a goons game, right? There's something where it's just gonna snowball really hard once somebody starts to get an advantage. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know you're going to get goons every turn, but you also know that if you don't get the cathedral, you're just not going to be the person doing the snowballing. You're going to be getting snowballed. You're never going to hit six to play the goons on your opponent. Yeah, so it's really interesting. (laughs) It it makes you feel alive, for sure. Yeah. Um, Those boards where you know you're going to get discard attacked and you have to open cathedral anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's makes crazy. you feel alive. That's that's a really that's a really nice way of putting yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> you got to live on the edge. Yeah. All right, my turn. Yeah, uh, Silk Merchant. I gave it a seven, and I want to revise that to an eight. Uh, this is a pretty minor change, but um, I mean, this is such a good card, and I just feel like it deserved more than a seven. Um, I even toyed with giving it a nine instead of an eight, which I wouldn't think you were crazy for. Right, I, I gave it an eight two for the yeah. record. Yeah, and like the, I think the community put it at eight point something. Like it's, it's definitely not crazy to to put this card higher. Um, being able to effectively buy a villager and buy a coffers are both really strong things. And like, the silk merchant's good in the deck usually. It's, I mean, it's a good right. card without all of that. But like the fact that you get that on gain and then the on trash is just gravy. Like all of this stuff. It, it all adds up to, to something that is pretty much a... I mean, it goes in just about any deck you can possibly build. Yeah. You're really hard-pressed to think of times where you don't ever want this. Sure. I mean, the other thing is that it's a it's a superb opener, and I don't think that we even really knew about... The, I mean, not like we didn't know it was good to open with uh, Silk Merchant, but... Uh, people have, uh, Wandering Winter notably, and others as well, have like done the math and looked at the things that opening Silk Merchant lets you do, and you basically are almost guaranteed to hit certain price points that are really hard to hit otherwise, like 6 and 7. Oh, yeah. Um, so, like, if you want to hit, and, and it gives you the flexibility to do it, you can hit double 5s, you can hit 6, you can hit 7. If you open, like, Silk Silky Merchant Silver, Silver yeah. um, you are in really good shape to yeah, be doing whatever as... else you want to do on if the that kingdom. silky doesn't miss you're in great shape i mean sometimes even if it does you're still fine because like it depends what you're trying to do but yeah um, golden sombrero yeah right well that's that's a sad day but you maybe but at that point you hit six so Woo! yeah um so yeah silk merchant's quite good yeah. me like you yeah uh so the next one i want to address is fair uh, which is the project that gives you plus buy. It's pretty fair. Yeah, I gave it a seven, and, um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I remember your discussion about how like, I said some things. This is such a big deal in a lot of games, and it changes the whole strategy. And I'm like, yeah, that's fair. All this this pun is all I have to say about the card. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is probably the stupidest thing I've ever said about Renaissance, and possibly the stupidest thing I've ever said about Dominion. That's not true. You okay, gave Cathedral this... a seven. Okay. No, I've said some really stupid things, but this might be the worst. I said Cathedral was a really good big money card because fair. yeah fair, fair was a really good big money card because uh having to draw the plus buy was the thing holding big money back from double province turns yeah. like this was going to change big money yeah. so that you could just buy a bunch of golds and double pro this doesn't do that by the way so uh yeah this fair is not a big money card um uh, so pretty fair. It's a source of plus buy, and like if there's any other source of plus buy in the kingdom, like a lot of the time it's better. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, it's still plus buy, so it gets at least a five in my book. Yeah, uh, it's pretty fair. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that pun is still all I have to say about this project. Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, so actually, uh, my next one is Capitalism, and I know that you have some things to say about it, and I would actually like to uh, respond to your things oh, with my things. That is that is not under the ratings I would change section. I'm going to stand behind my 10 out of 10 and give some reasons that, I don't know, people aren't going to listen to. Anyway, we'll, so we'll skip that and move on. Uh, sure, sure. Um, just know that I am taking my ratings of capitalism. I gave it a nine earlier. I took that down to a seven, and we're gonna get to why later. Cool. Um, but when we talk about that, but uh, other than that, uh, Guildhall, I gave it. I said it's either a five or an eight, depending on whether or not you're playing. Oh money. yeah. Um, and then and then you had to rate it for my poll, and yeah. then you had to pick one, and I was so happy that that happened. And also, I would just do that. It's not five or eight. It's just eight. Uh, Guildhall's really good, and I was right when I said that this is a lot better for I'm money you, man. than it is for other things. It is a lot better for money than it is for other things, but you still get it for other things. And also, it's so good for money that sometimes you end up playing money instead of the other things. Like, that was my reasoning for maybe saying, ah, eh, just a five, because, like, how often is money the thing you're playing anyway? When Guildhall's out... Money is the thing you're playing a lot of the time just because you've got this guild hall as an enabler. Guild hall was actually one of the ones I would change. I had originally given it a five, and I would bump it up to a six. Uh, I think, I mean, I guess I'm not quite as warm on it as Jake is, but uh, the synergy with treasure gainers, it was, uh, I had really underestimated that. And then there were a couple of OP combos out there that were just not on my radar, like yeah. Beggar. It's R- the big one, Beggar R- Guildhall. RTT did a Dominion homework video on Guildhall, broken Guildhall combos. Uh, he goes through the three uh, that are, I think, like Masterpiece, Beggar, and... and Delve. A Delve. And uh, you should check out that video because he goes through, does a really good job explaining them. But Beggar and yeah. Delve, I think, are both pretty good. Beggar is the big one, right? <laughs> uh, Beggar, I think, is... A tier above the other two, if I remember correctly. Well, I mean, Beggar is the highest variance one. It's potentially the best one, but it's also the one that you can get the most screwed going for. That never um, happens. Okay. So yeah, uh, Beggar's the best one, and I'm I'm still a little skeptical on Masterpiece. You need a little, I think you need a little bit more support to make Masterpiece amazing. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't mean, played any of those myself. It's fine. I mean, you're happy with Guildhall to have just about any treasure gainer in the world. Sure. Like Talisman, preview of the kingdom from last time, and we'll talk about that yeah, one right. this time. Yeah. Yes. Guildhall's great, though. I mean, I, I increased the rating to six. I toyed with even putting it up to seven, but... 
Um, you know, we're in the post big money era of Dominion. Yeah, we've been in that for a while too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's almost like we're in a renaissance now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your next one? So the the last one I have is Fleet. I gave this a five, and I want to bring this up to seven. And um, the reason I wasn't really warm on Fleet, I think it comes down to the fact that I just hadn't played any two-player games with Fleet, hardly any at all. And uh, in two-player games, it's a lot better than I gave it credit for. When there are more than two players, like a lot of playtesting games I've played with three players, Fleet is not great. Uh, But I think the ratings are pretty well assumed with a two-player context in mind. In that case, Fleet is a lot more important. So I moved yeah. it up to seven. Most of the time when you find that people are talking about competitive Dominion, they're assuming two-player. Whether or not that should be the case, that's up to you as the, as the listener. Uh, but, like, this is... Uh, most playtesting... A, a lot of playtesting is multiplayer, just because a lot of it's, you know, IRL, there's... The the audience like for Dominion the board game, which yes. is like actually why Dominion exists. I don't know if yeah. you know this, but you can play it with physical cards, right? And a lot yeah. of people buy the physical cards to play with the physical, and uh, those people tend to play with more than two players at once. That's a thing that it's happens. True. Far more people do this than play competitively online two player only. It is really easy. This is we're getting into tangent territory, but I think this is interesting enough. This is a tangent podcast. I mean, it's really interesting. It's really easy for the two-player hardcore competitive players to forget that we are the minority. And I'm I'm part of that. Like I forget that people play multiplayer Dominion all the time. I don't really like multiplayer Dominion very much. I will play it sometimes, but like it's really if you're gonna compete. I mean two player's the best format for competitive play. Yes. And I don't think anyone would dispute that except for Anyway, moving on. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's just really easy for us, you know, quote unquote serious players to forget that we're the minority by a lot. Yeah. Um yeah anyway. Once you once you get your head out of the echo chamber, there's a whole world <laughs> out there. You know, when you put the tinfoil hat on your head, you really need to point the shiny side out so the voices don't get too loud. Learn that one the hard way. Do you have any more of these? Uh, I do. I, I'm trying to parse that. Um, uh, okay, so Citadel. Uh, finally, Citadel. Um, I gave Citadel a 9, and I'm going to calm down a little bit and give it yeah. a 7. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't think... it's. This is kind of like research. I don't think I said anything wrong about it. I think that it just costs so freaking much, you know. It costs so much, and like it's not quite as power. It's really, really powerful. The effect is great. You, you, you get this. I think most games that it's out. I'm gonna say most of the time, but in single game games in particular that are rewarding like speed and consistency, there are plenty of times when you just don't have time for it. Like it should just be a province. It costs eight. Yeah, and even so many. even in the scope of like not single game games where you've got like higher payload, there are times then when you don't have time for it too. Like you know, because it costs eight. Because it costs eight. That's yeah. really freaking expensive. It's pretty expensive, yeah. but it's a really powerful effect. So nine down to seven. You're not always getting this. You're just usually getting it. Yeah, on the huge. Yeah. Okay. So uh, with the exception of the capitalism, that's all of the ratings we would change. Um, <laughs> So now we're sort of getting get into where we might disagree from the mainstream ratings. Uh, by the way, uh, we'll link this in the description, show notes. Um, just published an article on uh, the Wake Up Meeple's blog yeah. where uh, I presented the results of that poll, the Renaissance Cards Revisited. So you can check that out, and uh, mm-hmm. you can see how the Renaissance Cards stack up 
with each other, uh, how opinions have changed, and then also um, how they compare with all of the rest of the cards, if that's something that you're interested in doing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, disagreements, capitalism, let's get to this. Yeah. Okay. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And, and most, for, just for context, most people, uh, when they first looked at capitalism, were all on board. They were like, 10 out of 10, this is absurd. Yeah. It's amazing. And then as we played more and more of it, uh, people are like, wow, sometimes this just doesn't do a lot. Yeah, and the community's opinion of this just fell off a cliff. It's going to like 5 or 6. It's like, yeah, sometimes you get this. So right, just, yeah. right now, the new rating, is it's got a mean of 6.4, median of 6. So that's where the community's putting it. 6, yeah. right? Maybe a little <laughs> higher than 6. I'm going to stand by my 10 out of 10. And, and I really think... I, I don't think there's actually that much disagreement on how good capitalism is between myself and those people. I really think this is a product of uh, the rating system. Like The reason I'm rating capitalism 10 out of 10 is very similar to the reason that I'm going to rate Lost Arts or Page for Champion a 10 out of 10 or King's Court a 10 out of 10. And I rate all those 10 out of 10 and I stand behind those ratings. And the reason is because the, the magnitude of that effect is so large that even though it doesn't happen in every game, it, it fundamentally changes the way the game is, the kinds of decks that can be enabled, or the, just the general power level of things that you can do, enough that I think it's worth the 10 out of 10 rating. So, and, and the other nice thing about those three cards uh, that I mentioned, I guess, I guess Paige is a fourth card, but all these things I would rate a 10 is when it's not good, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty upfront about the fact that, you know, I know what kind of synergies I want. You can look for that at the start of the game. Actually, and you can see it's there or it's not there. I want to give some real kudos to the online client for this one. Um, you can, uh, the, in particular on the client, you can right-click capitalism and it shows you all of the cards that work with capitalism. Like all the cards that it makes into a treasure if you buy it. Oh, uh, so that's really nice. That's a really nice feature with Never capitalism done that implementation. Yeah. Uh, so, like Adam said, really obvious, especially if you're playing online, because <laughs> you can click it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm going to stand behind the 10 out of 10, but really, I mean, I never I never said you get it every game. There's probably, like, a terminal card that turns into a treasure. I think it was in, like, I mathed it, and there's like, <laughs> you can expect 80% of games to have a card that's made much better by capitalism. And so, like, over half of the time, it seems like that's going to be useful enough that it's worth getting. And I think five is just an absurdly low cost for it. But So, I agree with everything Adam's just said. Um, however, except for one thing. I also think that capitalism is just weaker than I thought it was. Um, I think that everything Adam said is right, that uh, the... Rating, it's hard to rate something like capitalism because it skews from uh, really broken in these daydream scenarios that we come up with to uh, doing like almost nothing, even when it is transforming cards. Like you just end up not using it, uh, and it Ooh, falls. My if, grand marker is a treasure. Woo! Yeah, right. And it skew, it falls everywhere in between. Um, I just think that having gotten enough games. At this point, enough. Having gotten more games with guild uh, capitalism under my belt, it just skews weaker than I thought it did most of the time. There's still, like, I I end up getting it pretty often, but there are times. But usually, when I get it, I could have skipped it too, and it would have been reasonable to skip it. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it's fine. I take it from nine to seven. 
everything is right about it being uh, really weird to rate and like the rating systems not necessarily agreeing just in the ways that we're talking about these cards but i also think it's weaker than i let on but that's but like we can have a conversation about it though right and as intelligent human beings with the ability to move the air in between us to communicate it's like a superpower yeah yeah like as as mature adults <laughs> okay as adults Legally, um, in the eyes of the law, yes. we can have this conversation and then figure out what we actually think instead of looking at the number and then saying, Adam is an idiot because he <laughs> rated capitalism a 10 without listening to what I'm actually saying about the card. Okay? In yeah. my mind, 10 out of 10 makes sense. I can say Adam is an idiot for other reasons later. And, and but I first am an idiot get, for other get reasons. Get into capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> but that has nothing to do with capitalism. Right, yeah. But, but Don't the, blame <laughs> capitalism for Adam's family. Yeah, um, Thank you, Jake. Yes. It's about time more people <laughs> said stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the conversation is what's important. And sure. that's why we have Making Luck, a conversation podcast. A dim- yeah, Dominion Versation podcast. A Dominion Versation podcast. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that was capitalism. Yeah. Anything else to say? Not on capitalism, though. Sure. Uh, yeah. So let's do the next one. Uh, my next disagreement is pageant. Uh, the community's rating of this is now 5.73, median of 6, so they gave it a 6, and I'm sticking by my rating of pageant as a 3. I understand that there are some decks that can benefit from this, and sure, that's why I didn't give it lower than a 3. My personal experience has been pretty sad. I think the the time when it's the best is I have $4, and I want to buy a coffers, and I can do that once per game. Woo! So like good decks, they don't waste money. And I can build my deck to not waste money. Okay, and I, that statement. not good there. That statement is the same as you have to spend all your money every turn, though. That is not what I said. But that's that's a similar statement. You said good in, decks don't waste money. In but like big money, Okay. sure, that wastes a lot of money. But uh, good decks that draw a few more cards, Okay. Uh, they do that less. Sure, I, I, could, I could get on board with that. I think... I mean, whenever I, you have six, you should buy a gold. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right. no, I don't. I, I wouldn't give pageant a six. I also wouldn't give it a three. Oh man, it's it's kind of hard to. If only there were numbers in between. Yeah, too bad. That sucks. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so this one, I have seen people rate this quite a bit higher, and I kind of see where they're coming from. But I give experiment a four. And I stand by that. I, I do think that Experiment is a card that is really easy to do, like, absolutely nothing with. Like, you remember when Dominion first came out, we talked about the village idiot, the guy who just bought a bunch of villages. Uh, I play a village, draw a village. Play a village, draw a village. Yeah, those villages are great. Yeah, and they're not doing anything. It's really easy to be an Experiment idiot. And, like, you can... I've seen so many people do this. They spend all their time just buying experiments and then playing them, and like they're they're moving their deck along so slowly in terms of like what they're actually doing. So you really have to have a plan for this card, this experiment, and like in terms of the actual value you're getting out of that buy, usually it's better to have a permanent improvement to your deck. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times when uh, I am fine with just buying a crappier version of Expedition, and that's where I think experiment shines is when it 
would just be expedition. Uh, the other time it shines is when you're just swimming in gains, right? You've got a bunch of plus buy or you're playing a bunch of workshops or whatever. And then the experiment's a lot more reasonable because you're not ready to shove a bunch of stop cards in your deck. There's nothing else you could use to permanently improve. So, like, the experiments are fine. But, man, it is so easy to just be bad with experiment. <laughs> like, it is so That's easy to true. just accomplish nothing. So I remember we got in, like, a really long argument on Facebook about, like, comparing Experiment and Expedition. Yeah, right. And, like, I I was... I think it's crazy that he gave uh, Experiment a different rating than Expedition. I think that Expedition's a lot better than Experiment. They're the same thing, Jake! Yeah, here's the thing. I also think... But for the same reason, I think that Lackeys is a better card than Acting True. Like, you have to shuffle it in, and, like, you have to... and, And then play it. Like, it's... It's... Expedition's just functionally different the way that Lackeys is from Acting True. That is... Really not true. Like the difference between lackeys and acting troop is like huge compared to the difference between expedition and experiment. I mean, you just look at the first few letters of each word. It's right there, Jake. <laughs> I don't know what your problem is. This is true. I think four is a little harsh. I think I gave it maybe like a seven or something. And and there may not be that much disagreement there. I think he's being a little harsh. I think it's the same frickin' thing as expedition. It's not always worse. And we got we got in this argument and. Then we just got tired of arguing. So yeah, we, right. This is we. It's also like something neither of us cared about enough to. Continue. I got tired of arguing about it, and then yeah. we stopped arguing about it. So yeah, it was good. Great. It was yeah. a good time. Yeah. Uh, nice. But yeah, so I, maybe four is a little harsh. I, maybe it should be a five. I don't know. I do think that I have seen people play with it badly enough that it skews it down to four for me. But uh, and I I played with it badly myself too. Like I'm not the only. I'm not immune to this. But uh, yeah, happens. Yeah. No worries, man. Uh, so my next disagreement was innovation. Uh, the community gave this a 7.5 or an 8. and uh, eight, 7.5 median, 8... or 7.5 mean, 8 median. And uh, I stand behind my rating of a 5. Uh, innovation is a cool, flashy effect. But at the end of the day, its upside is plus 1 card, plus 1 action, at most once a turn. And innovation, I think, is the worst out of all the projects that can potentially give this to you, like um, pizza or, or something else. Like, well, okay, I think it's maybe a little harsh to say that because on top of that, it's also getting your the thing you bought in play immediately. So, like, you... Yeah, it's like it gave you an action to play it and then uh, drew the card and then made you play it right away. So it's actually worse than plus one card, plus one action. But, like, it's not if you... That card wasn't in your deck. So, like, you... Plus one card, plus one action didn't give you a chance to play the card that wasn't in your deck. Sure. So if what you gained is something you want to play immediately, sure, that that can be good. Uh, I mean, it it can do some nice things. Uh, I think its use is fairly narrow. I think it's really expensive. I, I really don't see how you can... Like, I just don't end up getting it and having it be all that great. So it, it has some other uses besides mid-turn gains. Like, um, you buy an attack card, you get to play it right away. You buy an orange card, it's in play right away. Well, yeah, I mean, you buy any any kind of... Um, Reserve card, whatever. Yeah, any any kind of thing that isn't totally worthless <laughs> in the buy phase. And, and there's a decent number <laughs> of them. And, and I'm not saying innovation's worthless, but it is $6 in a buy... You have to hit that and then start doing yeah. cool things. And, and the effect is, at best, a card in action. I just, I don't think it's nearly that good. I, I get sure. a five. I stand behind the five. 
I rated higher, but none of that's crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. And then uh, my next disagreement is silos. Uh, the community gave this a 5.67 with a median of, median of 5. I gave this an 8. I'm standing behind my 8. Silos is amazing. <laughs> like, this thing speeds you up, like, two turns in the beginning of the game, just, like, getting past all these coppers. In the absence of really strong early crop, copper trashing, I think you just have to get this. And I think people are still sleeping really hard on it. I mean, maybe they're just not using it properly. I don't know why people don't give this a really high number. Silos well, is amazing. It could also just be that the people rating it are used to really strong copper trashing, because there's a lot of that in the game at this point. A lot? Yeah, there's a decent amount of... I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong about silos. I'm not. Um, like, I'm talking about a card you can open with that trashes more than one copper in a turn. I, I would, like, then consider not getting silos. Uh, sure, it depends. I mean, I, like... I want to trash my estates first, man. I do, too. Definitely. Give me a silos on turn three or turn four. Yeah, so, like, silos yeah, steward. I even yeah. open with it, yeah, and then get, like, a $3 trasher. Yeah. No, I'm, Find I'm that steward, you. man. It's really good. It's quite good. Um, it, the, the downside is it hampers your economy for your early box. Right, that's that's the thi- that's the reason you might not want to do it. Is like either you wanted there were two other things you wanted to buy that were more important, um, or like you weren't going to make a whole lot of use out of the silos effect just because you needed to be spending your coppers throughout the first like couple of shuffles. So the, when you say that, what I'm hearing is it can be easy to buy silos at the wrong time. Yes, like if I open with silos. Uh, I mean, copper is one of the best cards in my deck. So the other thing I open with better be really stinking good. And what that really means is it better be trashing estates. Yeah. But trashing estates is really good for your early game economy. It is. That's true. People so I can cycle that. through all my coppers. Yeah. But at that point, copper is very quickly the worst card in my deck. So I'm, I'm, yeah. The case where you open silos is taken care of, and then you know, as long as you don't get it so early that you're passing up an important buy to make your, your yeah. deck better. Like, don't shoot yourself in the foot with it. But if you don't shoot yourself in the foot with it, you're fine. Like, it's going to give you this really powerful effect. It's going to cycle yeah. you back to playing all your cards more. It's super great. The other thing that I would say that uh, people don't maybe get as much mileage out of silos as they could is they think that they, they always have to discard all their coppers all the time. It's just just <laughs> all think about coppers it. yeah. all the time. Well, just, just think about it before you discard all your coppers what's left in your deck are you causing a shuffle what are you buying this turn what could you draw to make the turn better stuff like that so yeah. uh yeah silos is not a is not something you get a lot of mileage out of being on an autopilot for here's here's a hot take all right all these people they think that silos is bad they're just not skilled enough to use it they haven't achieved my higher <laughs> my higher consciousness i'm yeah. so good at dominion i've seen the light and they're all missing it yeah yeah silver is better than copper. Yep. Nice. Figured it out. Yeah, yeah okay. So I I want to get into mine here. Yeah. And uh, this is one... Uh, what do people rate villain? What's, what's the average? What's the average rating on villain? It's think? like three or four or something. Okay, so I put villain at six in my original ratings. Yeah. And I'm going to stand by that. that. Maybe not six, but like... Here's the thing. Villain is getting so much hate. This is the most underrated card in Renaissance, Villain is. Now, don't get me wrong, it's one of the weaker cards in Renaissance because Renaissance is such a strong set, but 
it says attack on it. Yeah, that's and, really important. Like, don't get me wrong, the attack is going to whiff early on and going to hit estates. The attack is going to whiff late in the game and it's going to hit provinces, whatever. Um, in the mid-game, that attack is non-trivial. If there's no other attack, a lot of the time it's just worth doing because it's annoying to your opponent. And here's the thing, plus two coffers, it's a really strong benefit. Yeah. It's so good for so many things, not the least of which is money. Like, a lot of the time... Even without the attack, even if you just took the attack off of it, this would still be your terminal of choice, like in the kingdom if you can only play one. So, man, you're insane if you are giving, like, villain a three or whatever. Uh, villain's at least a four or a five, and for me, it's probably a six. Anything that says attack on it, it's really tough for me to give it, like, lower than a four under any circumstance. If you play an attack every turn, it's not going to whiff every single time. Yeah, it's going to whiff sometimes. That doesn't mean it wasn't a good card for the deck. God, plus two coffers is really good. Yeah, and playing attacks on your opponent yeah. is also really good. So, I mean, look, six is maybe a little high for it. I'll, I'll give that I'm being generous, but man, people are way too down on this card. Yeah. It may come down to, like, I mean, I guess they gave it a bad rating, but, like, I mean, I think the two of us are really good at talking about Dominion. Yeah. It's almost probably. like we've had a lot of practice doing that. Yeah, like almost. A podcast or something? <laughs> yeah, I would hope so. We spent yeah. so much time doing it. <laughs> if you think we're good at talking about Dominion, leave a comment in the comment section. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I have a couple so... more disagreements. Uh, improve, I gave it a four. The community gives it roughly a six. Um, I think the main use case is like non-terminal $4 cards or like when I really just wanted to open with two fours and I get improve as a consolation prize. The, the extra utility, like, it needs village support. It's it's really tough to use. Um, I just, I've just never even, I've never seen it in a game where I was like, wow, look at all the cool improved things you can do here. It's like, it's never been impressive well, to me. I've had, I've had the cool improved things in, like, heavy renaissance games. Like, okay. like, Silk Merchant Improve is obviously, like, a baked-in synergy that's for the set that's supposed but to be But, like, really how good in. even is it? It's pretty good. Like, it's usually worth opening Silk Merchant Improve for. I mean, it's... Unless you want to trash cards. Yeah. Or, um... Do other stuff. Do anything else that's good. Sure. Yeah. Or, like, get a silver instead of your Improve and hit five or six or seven. Like, I think that opening's good because of Silk Merchant more than Improve. Probably. So, yeah, there's Improve. And then uh, the final one uh, is Patron, and I think this is funny. So I gave Patron an 8. I stand by the 8. The community gives it about a 6. I, I feel like this isn't really a disagreement on how good Patron is, but rather a disagreement on how good Silver is. <laughs> like, yeah, I would probably, probably... Probably that is the case. Like, this is, this is better than Silver for $4. Sure. And, like, it's non-trivial how much better than silver this is. Yeah. Like, this really pushes the envelope in terms of, like, what is okay in a game. Like, even without the reaction part, this is way better than silver. Banking action is is huge. And then, like, the Revealy bits has some synergies that can give you, like, a pile of coffers, which is unreal. Yeah. Like, with a Crossroads or a Courtier or, like, even a Rebuild. Woo! My a favorite, house. My yeah. favorite thing is when you reveal it in the Black Market deck. You don't even have to buy it. You just have to look at it in the Black Market deck and you get a coffer. I call that the window shopping coffer. <laughs> uh, but... So, I, I feel like this is a really strong in the early game because you can bank... Uh, these extra actions that you're bound to have when your terminal space is usually a little more. 
uh, and you're going to find yourself with extra actions at the end of your turn. Here's Lexi with her uh, yeah, iguana. Yeah. She's really excited about these extra villagers you can get. Yeah. Uh, we started talking really about villagers, fight. and she was just on her way down. Yep. She was really excited. And yeah. i got to be honest, I'm really excited about it, too. Silver yeah. is a really good card, and Patron is better than Silver, and it only costs four. Yeah, Patron's good. Silver's good. Yeah. Nice. Villagers are good, too. Yeah. So, uh, before we wrap this up, I just wanted to plug an article on the blog that uh, there will be a link in the description. Uh, it basically just presents the results of the community's ratings, uh, highlighting uh, a few of the cards where the community's opinions has changed a lot. Uh, we've mentioned lackeys. Jake, uh, Jake's opinion on lackeys has changed just about the same as the community's. Yeah. Uh, same with uh, capitalism, uh, silk merchant. Uh, people were down on that before. We've you know, about two and a half points up. Uh, people have really warmed up on Cathedral like Jake. People saw the light on Star Chart. Um, Treasurer, they've gotten part of the way there. They got all the way up to 7.7 from 6.5. That is almost all the way up to 9 where it truly belongs. These are cards that were easy to underestimate, and I just feel like, you know, we had a lot of experience with these cards in playtesting, so yeah. we did have a little bit of a head start, but we are awesome, yeah, it's true, too. And let's not lose sight of that fact. I want to take credit for Cathedral yeah, and also Treasurer. Because, like, That's even true. other playtesters... I'm not talking about just Jake. Like, even other playtesters did not realize how absolutely insane that thing can be. And I'm sitting there just winning games, and I'm okay with that. So yeah, I'm right. gonna I'm going to pat myself on the back for that one. Oh, yeah, and then Road Network, like... People finally saw the light on Road Network, how bad it is. Like, they uh, rated it a 5 before, and now it's about a 3, and... I think, okay, I think Road Network is better than a 3. It's so bad, I don't even remember what it does. It's... Because I never buy it. Whenever your opponent gets a green card, you draw a card. And like, it costs, like, 6, right? It costs 5. Uh, now, Same there are, uh, there are t- definitely going to be games where you don't get it, but, like, getting it right before... Getting it is a really interesting, like, endgame positioning move because, like, you get it right before the greening phase and then your opponent has two choices. They either say, like, whatever, I'm just going to power through this and give you the extra draw, uh, and sometimes they can do that and get away with it, or they have to mirror you and buy it. And, like, I don't know. I think it's actually pretty good. Like, in a governor game, man, you buy road network. That's not an option not to, so... Yeah, three out of ten. I'm standing by, <laughs> and the community agrees with me now. They've seen the light. But anyway, I, I think it's better than that. I I'm not gonna go above like five or six, but you know. Well, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever, man. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that's about it for Renaissance for me. Yeah. Uh, so Renaissance Part Two, Electric Boogaloo, has concluded, and now we're gonna get into Scheme. Uh, but first. We have a kingdom to talk about. Yeah. This was the one from uh, Groundskeeper last episode. Yeah. Why don't we uh, read the cards in this bad boy? We should do that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we have Overlord, Poorhouse, Sage, Secret Cave, Baron, Talisman, Groundskeeper, Royal Carriage, Vault, Raider, and we have Guildhall. One more time for our audio-only listeners... Overlord, Poor House, Sage, Secret Cave, Baron, Talisman, Groundskeeper, Royal Carriage, Vault, Raider, and we had Guildhall. 
Yeah, so because we had Secret Cave, it's worth noting that one of the coppers was instead Magic Lamp. Okay. And that's the only way that you can <clears throat> trash a card on this board. Yeah. Trashing that lamp. Yeah, this is true. So yeah. I advocated for um, money strategy with Guildhall, uh, open with a Baron, and maybe put some vaults in the deck. Uh, and I thought that might be better than something else that goes for groundskeeper and i think you were advocating for money focus but with groundskeepers right well so like when i say money focus with groundskeepers it's really groundskeeper focus but like when i say money i'm just talking about like you're you're doing single gains and you know you want them to be as good as you can but really the focus uh was gonna be on the groundskeepers and getting a lot of points off of them yeah so, I think what we originally advocated for, both of us, was pretty far from what we ended up th- saying was uh, yeah. good on each end. Yeah, I'd agree. So uh, when I, you know, we had a session, we played uh, several games, and eventually I was warm to the idea of not really putting vaults in the money deck, but rather um, a lot of talismans because of that uh, synergy with Guildhall. You can get a yeah. bunch of treasures, get a big stack of coffers, and become a real threat to just pile all eight provinces and end the game yeah. relatively quickly. And you do that on about turn 18 or 19. It was like, pretty consistent that turn 19 would be the would turn where be the eighth that province. gets the eighth province. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. It's pretty good as far as money goes. I mean, yeah. that's a high bar. Yeah, so uh, that's a thing. And, the... and it was winning a lot of games in that first session. It was, and then the we kind of figured out a better way to build the groundskeeper deck. Is what happened. So I just want to point out that, like, I could have said, you know, uh, money was right, I was right, I win this one, check the <laughs> box, and we could have been done. And I was like, you know what, I want to, I want to fill around with magic lamp. I want to fill around with this groundskeeper build because and it's not did. all about me just being right. I care about getting the best Dominion commentary possible. Even if it means that I was wrong in my initial assessment. And so I dug deeper. And he dug and, too deep. And, and I was the wrong. Groundskeeper. Yeah. Well, okay, so the groundskeeper deck ended up being best. But it was it's also hard to build and operate. Um, but, I, but I think it's overall better. I think it was like pretty consistently winning. Like yeah. it could score over 50 points by turn 17 or turn 18. Yeah, usually it... It always felt like it was scoring right before the province player was about to close out the game. But really what was happening is it was just biding its time and it scored when it had to. Yeah. Uh, so, like, the way that it does that is get a bunch of royal carriages, mostly. That seemed to be, like, the secret of the deck is to have a bunch of royal carriages out. Well, and... also the cave was the secret of the deck. Well, yeah, the cave was really important. And like, it was wanted... very secret. Yeah, so you you <laughs> had basically two... T- the, the rhythm of the game for that deck... Uh, kind of had two times when it called royal carriages. Most of the time it was just setting royal carriages and building up. And then it called a bunch of carriages to get its lamp off on that turn, and then it called a bunch of carriages when it was going to have this big game-winning turn where it scored like 40, 50-plus points all at once uh, by having uh, 8 to 10 groundskeepers in play between Overlord as groundskeeper and real groundskeepers. So, uh, yeah, it, money just can't compete with that. Yeah, um, it doesn't really close the game out in time to stop the groundskeeper deck from getting so many points. And it gets points by um, gaining a lot of estates with Baron, pretty much. Yeah, Baron, and also, uh, yeah, Baron is the main. 
and but like calling royal carriage on baron to gain more estates and then buying a bunch of estates yeah so we're talking like eight to ten groundskeepers in play with um five to seven estates being gained on that yeah. turn it turns out these the estates are very important to this deck's ability to score a lot of points because you can't really get that many provinces in one turn because you just right. can't put together the money for it yeah so the groundskeeper deck in this case played a little bit more like a mega turn which is not i mean it's not that groundskeeper can't play that way i'm not used to seeing groundskeeper play that way normally groundskeeper is closer to the sort of uh, prolonged gradual scoring and just increases the value of the green cards you're putting in your deck but in this case the groundskeepers were all about setting up a big uh, eight to ten groundskeepers in play huge mega turn where you just get all your points pretty much at once and right. then the deck stops functioning because um, actually, well, actually, no, it doesn't because royal carriage. So yeah. royal carriage pushes you really hard in that direction. Okay, it really wants to have you know mega turny things happen because you can save them up and then call them all on your big turn, right? Um, so royal carriage pushes you towards that, but also groundskeeper has that multiplicative payload style thing where like the number of groundskeepers times the number of victory cards I gain is the payload of the turn. So, yeah. I mean, it can reward you for building a little more and going for that type of mega turn. So there was synergy there, and then I think another big component of that was Sage. Because there was no trashing, you have to skip over all of the starting cards and find your good stuff. So, like, um, Sage actually turned out to be really important. In yeah. spite of the fact that it skips Wishes, it skips your Magic Lamp, lamp yeah, and skips... Overlord, but it's still <laughs> good enough. Well, I think, like, the... The thing with Sage was also that it was a uniquely named card. I think that was like half the reason you got it. Is well, just because it was a unique card for Lamp. It turns out that like skipping through all of those cards, yeah, um, it helps you. I mean, you have to find your Lamp, which is hard. But if you can find your Lamp and call Royal Carriage on Sage, it finds all the other uniques for you. Sure. So it's one of the main tools besides Royal Carriage for getting your Lamp off pretty early. But yeah. then after that, for your big turn. You have a Sage, you call a couple carriages on it, you play an Overlord as a Vault, you call a couple carriages on that, you play a Baron, and then you play a, you call a couple carriages on that, and you get a, the rest of your Overlords as Groundskeepers, you play a bunch of Groundskeepers in that process. That's the kind of a turn you're looking for, and all the tools are, are specifically there for that purpose. It uh, pulls you away from what Groundskeeper decks usually like to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, in a way. Uh, so you played a few games where you uh, tried mirroring, yeah. Where the, the, you both went for this groundskeeper thing. Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because, uh, like we said earlier, the estates are the main way for the groundskeeper deck to score points. <laughs> and there's only eight of them in the pile. And if both players yeah. want to go for this, um, you're going to need to get those estates. And since you can gain a lot of estates in one turn, you have to blow up your your deck a lot earlier. You have to call your carriages have that big turn a lot earlier and get a lot less than 50 points. But you're hampering the other deck in a big way because sure. uh, now the estates aren't there for them to get more points with. So whoever has more groundskeepers, how, how impactful did you find that? Um, well, how many groundskeepers, groundskeepers did you have play at that point? I mean, they didn't run, that's for sure. Yeah. And Overlord has a lot to do with that. You want a number of Overlords in the deck. You'll be playing a lot of them as groundskeepers. Sure. But um, I think I got up to five groundskeepers in play on those big turns and gaining okay. like four estates 
Yeah. So it's a 24-point turn. And then the deck still isn't that bad, because you have Baron and Estate. You've got Royal Carriages. You have a lot of Estates now. Yeah. So you can call Royal Carriage on Baron, discard two Estates. You can still get Provinces. Yeah. And you have a ton of Overlords in the deck, so there's a lot of potential Barons. So, I mean, it's not a bad deck, and it can close out the game. But uh, things get weird in Mirrors, and uh, this is no exception. The Estate split... uh, in terms of just having the estates to get points from your groundskeepers. Turns out to be pretty important. Yeah. So that was that kingdom. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, we played a lot of games, and videos did. of those games are published on the YouTube channel. You may want to check them out. Yeah. Uh, so now we move into the meat of... <laughs> it's finally time. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to talk about Scheme. Um, and... Uh, Scheme is a $3 card from the Hinterlands expansion. It is a cantrip. The first text is plus card, plus action. And then it says, This turn, you may put one of your action cards onto your deck when you discard it from play. Yeah. So uh, there was a wording change between first and second edition where there are some minor functional differences. I don't care about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but just be aware of that. Uh, so, yeah, you get to, to top deck one of the cards you play this turn with the scheme. It could be the scheme itself Yeah. if you want to do that. So if you just played a scheme, uh, you haven't wasted it. You can just top deck the scheme and, you know, get them next time, capping. Yeah. Now, before we launch hardcore into our analysis of this, I want to give props to basically uh, the article that I read that kind of informed and heavily influenced the discussion we're going to have here today and informed my play with scheme quite a bit when i first read it it was written back in 2012 by the user jaunts and uh we can link that uh, yeah it's on my list of good articles make the cut i I think it's an excellent article on scheme and a lot of what we're going to be talking about here is you know just influenced by that sure yeah so yeah scheme is a deck control card yeah definitely and And, uh, what is scheme good for uh well I was ge- I'm going to say cycling, and it's interesting <laughs> because we talked about this in the cycling episode. Uh, Scheme is one of the best cards, I think, to talk about cycling with uh, because it gets at the heart of what cycling is for, like what the purpose is, and that's to play your good cards more often. Yeah, and that's, that's far more important than whatever word we're going to use to describe it. Yeah. Right, and you know, recent events have led me to believe that I need to find a word other than cycling to use to prevent confusion. The point is, it helps you play your best cards more often. Yes, so that's the purpose of scheme, and uh, how good the scheme is is, of course, going to be how well it helps you do that. So, uh, what would you what would you say about scheme in terms of when you're picking it up? So, um, I think the scheme has very different roles depending on how much of your deck. You you're drawing. If you are not drawing your deck, or you're not close to drawing your deck, Scheme's function is very, very different from the case where you are drawing your deck, or you're drawing most of your deck. And I think Scheme provides value in both cases. Oh, yeah. Like, the Scheme is really good in both times, and for me, the metric is, are you shuffling every turn? Um, And that's kind of what I... I It's very similar to what I said. Right. It's how much are you... And so, like, the Scheme, when you are... Uh, shuffling every turn is doing something that's more of a, a guaranteed kickoff, so to speak. It's putting the cards on the top that help you have a good turn. And the scheme that before you uh, start shuffling every turn, before you have really good deck control, is 
basically helping you uh, functioning as an extra copy of the cards you really want to be playing. Yeah, so I want to I want to dive a little deeper on each each of those. Yeah, definitely. So uh, why don't we do first uh, the one where you're not drawing your whole deck? Yeah. Sure. So first off, uh, this is always pretty much the case at the beginning of the game, and scheme is a totally fine opener. Whenever you're opening scheme, uh, this is the case. You are not drawing much of your deck, and crucially, uh, a couple of the cards in the deck are much much better than every other card in the deck. So the resource of time is, is your shuffle. Um, time gets measured in shuffles, and your good cards are uh, measured by how quickly you can shuffle them back in. Right, and, and Scheme, in the best case, can help you break that rule by allowing you to play your best card potentially more than once in a particular shuffle. Yeah. So you're getting you know up to twice the value out of that card because you got to play it twice as often. Right, you open Scheme plus card X... And then uh, you ideally draw the scheme first, uh, and then you just scheme the scheme until you line it up with card X, and then you scheme card X, and you play that again. So you're, uh, at least for that first shuffle, theoretically getting twice as many plays as you would have. Sure. It's not quite twice as many, though, right? Yeah, so this has some upsides, and it has some downsides. So uh, let's address those. Uh, among the upsides is uh, scheme only costs three. So if card X... And I just want to... Can we just call card X Mountebank? Sure. I think Mountebank is a pretty good example. It's sure. It's a, a card you want to play when you're probably not going to be drawing your whole deck for a while. Yeah. And uh, you want to play it a lot. It's much better than the other cards in your deck because it craps all over your opponent. Sure. I think most attacks fit into this category except for discard attacks, which are a special case. We'll get back to it. So yeah. Uh, but Mountebank costs five. And if I don't have five and I yeah. want to play Mountebank more often... Maybe I have three, and I can get a scheme, which helps me play my mouth back more often. So that's yeah. an upside to scheme. Yeah, I mean, you could say that is this uh, about pretty much any attack, really. Like, uh, if I... Let's talk about something you could open with. Like, yeah. we talked about scheme being a perfectly reasonable opener. Uh, if I'm opening scheme militia, uh, I'm militiaing you one more turn in a row than I would have otherwise. Sure. Ideally. Right? So, so this goes for any card that is really, really good that you want to open with along with the scheme. So something yeah. four or less that either trashes or junks your opponent, I think, is at the top of the list. Yeah. Discard attacks are weird. They are weird, yeah. Because um, if you're... If I have... The idea is I can buy more and more schemes. And now I have, like, three or four schemes and that can really help me play my one card every turn. Yeah. Now, it's worth noting that we're talking about these cards that give you a lot of value on the first time you play them per turn. Right? Like, we're talking about things like attacks and stuff. Terminal um, cards fit yeah. this really well, yeah. Terminal cards, but we're not so much talking about cards that uh, you want to play, like, multiple of throughout the turn, uh, just because a lot of the time you're comparing getting the scheme to just getting more copies of this card. Yeah. So, uh, there's there's the natural way that it draws you towards those terminal cards, uh, particularly yeah. the attacks. Discard attacks are weird, though, because you're going to find yourself with a hand uh, with multiple schemes in it, and uh, schemes cantrip, and that doesn't really like discard attacks all that much, so yeah. there is a little bit of anti-synergy, so I, w I wouldn't go as crazy with the schemes if what I'm playing is a discard attack. I would maybe favor getting more copies of the discard attack a little more, still might get some schemes in that case, though. Yeah, sure, and we're talking, I mean, the first scheme, 
that you have is kind of just different than like the third or fourth scheme, <laughs> yeah. right? Because we're talking about with the militia thing, I'm talking about using it to get an extra militia play. I'm not talking about using it to stack militias so that I'm playing it every time throughout the shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, the, these these upsides of the scheme, you know, it's it's non-terminal. So if I bought two militias, I see them in the same hand. I'm sad. If I buy a scheme and a militia, I see them in the same time. I'm happy, right? And yeah. uh, I can just play my scheme, and I can play my militia. I'm in great shape. Um, so there's there's a difference between getting mil- uh, more copies of the card, spamming the card, versus getting schemes to support you playing that one card. Uh, and I would say that the the last upside for scheme in this case is that uh, scheme is pretty flexible. Yeah. So if I scheme an opener... And I'm, you know, scheming my opener a lot. And then later on I decide that that opener isn't as good anymore. Yeah. Uh, I can go scheme something else. So this is particularly notable for trashers, right? Trashers are great early. Yes. And then they're not so great. But if I bought two copies of my trasher, that's not nearly as good than this scheme, which can now be used to top deck other cards that I care more about later on in the game. Definitely, and the thing is that the we talked about how the scheme has these different roles as your deck, uh, whether based on how much deck control you have. The nice thing about scheme is that it can kind of be with you every step of the way. Uh, you get it early on, so it's filling this first function, and then it transitions as your deck improves to uh, this, this secondary function. It's yeah. competent at both. Uh, yeah. But it, yeah. it does have that flexibility, yeah, and definitely. that's that's a reason why you would pick it up over more copies of the cards you just want to be playing a whole bunch of. Yeah. So, like, when is scheme bad for this? Like, when when do you when is this bad to be pursuing scheme for this reason? So uh, we already mentioned a couple things. First, uh, it doesn't really do much for playing multiple copies of that good card in the same turn. Exactly. So, like, you're usually non-terminals. You're not really caring so much about scheming a bridge or whatever. I mean, I, I care about the first one, but if I want to play multiple bridges, yes. Scheme doesn't help me do that. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, terminal or non-terminal, although it's I guess it's easier to play more than one non-terminal in the same turn. That's yes, what non-terminals are. Uh, another downside is you kind of have to find that Scheme first. So we've been talking about this in the rosiest scenario. Yeah. Where, oh, you always draw your Scheme first. Well, that doesn't always happen. <laughs> Yeah, so sometimes, like, we talked about the situation where I open uh, Scheme and Militia, and I draw the Scheme, and then I Scheme the Scheme, and then I draw the Militia, and then I Scheme the Militia. Sometimes it happens in the other order, uh, where I draw the Militia first, and I play it. That's great. That was according to plan. Uh, And then uh, next turn, I draw the Scheme, and then... um, That would have been better if it was a Silver, huh? Yeah, it would have been better if it was a Silver, (laughs) uh, but then I Scheme the Scheme, and I keep doing that until I find the militia, and eventually I play the militia again. Woo! But it's kind of, but at that point, it's kind of like the scheme missed the shuffle in a way. Or well, it did. It, did, it missed the shuffle. So if it had been a second militia um, instead, uh, then I would have just gotten to play it more. It wouldn't have had that quote unquote missing the shuffle effect because I, if I, if you get them out of order, and you're comparing the scheme to just a second copy of the card. Uh, then if you get them out of order, the second copy of the card ends up being better. Yeah. Uh, right, so there's there's a number of different ways that the shuffle can be timed with either turn of, oh, I draw my scheme and I scheme it, or I draw my scheme with my thing and I scheme the thing. Um, 
you can effectively get less plays out of this by certain things missing the shuffle. And when we say less, not less as if the scheme weren't anything, less than if the scheme were just another copy of the card instead. So so the worst case in this situation is um, I've played my scheme and my power card, and then I scheme my power card, and when I do that, that's the turn when I shuffle. So even though I've schemed it and played it twice this shuffle... Now it's missed that shuffle, and I'm unlikely to draw my scheme at the top of that shuffle because I had to discard it. Yeah. And so now I'm going to have to go the entire rest of that shuffle without the card when I would have been better off in this case, right? That's yes. the worst case. And, and so a lot of times you don't have control over that, and you're at the mercy of effectively a coin flip for having this bad thing happen to you where, like, well, the scheme didn't really do anything for me, or it's going to not do anything for me for several turns. But then if we're talking about this card being a terminal, uh, the other coin flip you could take is opening with two of them and just hoping they don't collide. So it's kind of just pick your poison. Uh, pick, Pick which set of risks you're more willing to take. And which ones are more likely to have really good payoff and uh, least downside for you? Uh, yeah. You, yeah, you do want to try and minimize these downsides. And, yeah, you know you have to find the right balance there. Definitely. Um, the other thing, though, is determining which one your deck wants on the long term. And oh, I, I want to address one other situation uh, where the scheme is bad for this purpose is when uh, the the best card that you're looking to scheme uh, just happens to be the scheme every turn. Um, if you find yourself scheming scheme over and over again, understand scheming scheme is something you do in the meantime while you're waiting to draw your good card. But uh, have a plan, like have some card, have a card that you're actually wanting to. Sch- the scheme isn't doing anything for you just by virtue of being a scheme. So I play um, six schemes, yeah, and then I have three dollars, which is just enough to buy another scheme and top deck six schemes this is great i can get a free peddler uh but Woo! yeah so like i mean yeah i'm i'm play a scheme i open scheme druid and then i choose do i want to top deck the scheme or the druid well the scheme's a better card <laughs> so, that's, uh, that's rough yeah so like you know don't, don't do that don't be stupid <laughs> um <laughs> so um thinking luck a dominion podcast we have the uh the real advice here yeah don't be stupid <laughs> Yeah, so if you if you find yourself constantly scheming schemes, uh, there's a good chance you've made some poor life choices, is all I'm saying here. You should probably drink more water, too. You should probably drink more water. That's probably true either way. Um, so, the thing, though, uh, when we're comparing uh, the second scheme to a second copy of the terminal, you want to think about what do you want the deck to look like on the long term. And... Do you is the deck improved by having the other copy of this terminal in it, um, or this other card that's not the scheme, or is the deck more improved by the scheme? And that's when we get into what does the scheme do for your deck on the long term when you are shuffling every turn when you've got good deck control. Yeah, so schemes function um, changes a lot when you're drawing a lot of cards. Yeah, um, if you're drawing your deck, that means you're going to play all your schemes every turn, and you're also going to play all of your cards every turn. Right? Yes. Uh, so the the idea that it's functioning as an extra copy that starts to break down because of that initial downside that it doesn't it, it, is, it isn't is another an extra copy yeah. yeah it's just pretending to be yeah so um, what it does instead though is it helps you at least start your turn 
with the cards that you want at the start of your turn. Which are usually deck control cards. We've talked in the past about how much better those cards are to have at the beginning. Like your ideal turn is you have your deck control at the beginning, which you use to draw all your good cards and then play all your good cards, yeah. uh, which are the payload. And, so, yeah. so yeah, I want to scheme my deck control cards, and specifically uh, the draw cards. Yeah. The, the cards that are part of what draws me more cards increases my hand size. So yeah. that could be villages and then a smithy. Or I could top deck my labs, or maybe I could top deck a warehouse because it lets me see a lot of cards or, yeah. or something like that. So these are these the world kind of is deck oyster. Yeah, whatever deck control card you want, whether it's the rare component or, or the thing that just helps smooth out your draws, that's what Scheme does for you. And Scheme is really, really good at doing this. Yeah, so we talked about drawing your deck. So like clearly you have enough deck control to do that, but uh, you don't always like this is good in decks that uh, were are maybe not going to draw themselves if they get a, a bad hand, right? Like you've got there's always the the idea that with uh, five smithies and five villages, you draw your hand of five smithies and you boned. Yeah, yeah, that sucks. So the scheme is is hedging against that. And the more schemes you get, the more you can hedge. So you know, with in that deck. I get one scheme, I probably top deck a village. But if I get two schemes, I can top deck village and smithy. Or uh, we come back to that, like if you've got the the if you've got like three villages and one smithy, uh, you top deck the smithy. Whereas yeah. if it's the other way around, you've got your two smithies and one village, you top deck the village. You can just you have the flexibility, like we mentioned earlier, to just top deck whatever card is rarer for you, whichever one is gonna be more likely to give you the good turn. Yeah, and, and I want to say that another strength that Scheme has in this situation is the fact that you get to play the card on every turn, but you also still get to see it at the top of, of each of your turns. And, and this effect is actually pretty unique to Scheme. There really aren't other cards in the game that do this. I mean, yes, I know Herbalist does it, and woo, it could be a crown, <laughs> and maybe I care. I mean, like Alchemist does it to yourself and Borger. Sure. But like... Scheme is kind of the only thing that lets you do that with whatever card you need. Yeah. And uh, that's that's usually much more powerful than other ways that you can achieve that same effect of having deck control cards at the start of your turn. Because uh, a lot of them don't let you play it. Like if I'm going to use Courtyard to top deck a card, like a village or something, so I have it for next turn, that means I couldn't play the village this turn. Yeah, or I'm going to... That yeah, sucks! Or I'm going to secret passage it or put a center side with gear or whatever. So if I'm going to have so many villages or draw cards or whatever, <clears throat> then I'm able to afford to like draw my whole deck and then not play one of these and spend the resource to top deck it. Uh, that means I've usually really, really overbuilt. Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about overdraw uh, when, and I think a lot of the things that we talk about uh, where it's okay to build into overdraw just for reliability's sake... Uh, these are things that you can use Scheme instead for. Yeah, like, I mean, you can do that. You can overdraw and you can top deck a card you don't need. But that's really, really weak compared to just about any other way you could build your deck. Right. And Sch Scheme is really, really good compared to those things. Scheme just ends up looking really efficient in comparison in terms of deck control. It's this $3 cantrip that is doing the work of like an extra village and an extra draw card and then the resource to top deck. And, and also, like, what if those villages are empty? Or what if that village is really expensive? 
Yeah, right. Like, Scheme just gets better and better when those comparisons are made. This is true. The other kinds of decks uh, that Scheme is really good for this purpose for are decks that are relying on really powerful control cards that have a variable effect based on when you draw them. So I'm thinking about, like, King's Court or City Quarter. Uh, things that, like, if you find those at the right time and your shuffle can basically guarantee that you kick off and draw your deck. But if you draw them at the wrong time or with the wrong hand, uh, you can, you know, not really have the, the kind of turn you need to kick off and make your deck all it can be. The scheme can can keep uh, the reliability of something like your King's Court, City Quarter, or what, what have you. So there's line. there's a family of cards. A shepherd is kind of something you can talk about in a different way. Yeah, like there's a there's a family of cards where you would put more copies of that card in your deck, not because you need them to draw more cards, but rather because you want to increase the chances you start your turn with one. So City Quarter is a great example. Yeah. More examples of this are Scrying Pool. Okay. Um, council Room or Hunting Grounds. Like you can put extra copies of these cards in your deck. With the intention of not playing all of them, just so I make sure I find one of them. Yeah, definitely. And and that can be, you know, the the best way to build those decks in some situations. But all these cards are expensive, right? City Quarter yeah. costs eight debt. Hunting Grounds Council, they cost five and six. Scrying Pool costs a potion, right? Um, these, uh, you, if you don't need to get ten of these cards if you can just put, like, one or two schemes in the deck. And the scheme is super cheap. Definitely. So it's a, it's definitely a, a more efficient way to build the deck. And, and even without those kind of synergies, though, it can be worth it to just shove one or two schemes in the deck, set yourself back two $3 buys, because if that saves one turn for the rest of the game, yeah, your turns are so big that that's already paid for itself. Yeah, it can be... I mean, when the payload is that explosive, a single dud can actually be game-losing. No exaggeration. Like, you can lose because you have a dud. So if the scheme is... If if spending your buy on the scheme is stopping that from happening, then it's definitely worth it. Yeah, so, like, this opportunity cost, you can easily see it paying for yourself, for, for itself, over the course of the game, which if there's, like... If you're building your deck, it's almost guaranteed it's going to happen to you at some point, especially sure. when you're greeting. So, like, this opportunity cost is very, very low, so, like, this comparison to should have had a silver, like, when you're drawing your deck, no, Scheme is definitely better than, than you know, putting another silver in the deck. That reliability uh, stops you from losing games. Definitely. Uh, so when is it, when is using Scheme for this purpose bad? When is it uh, maybe not as effective as other tactics it could be pursuing? Uh, not often. It's pretty narrow when you don't want to do this. Yeah, so the situations I'm thinking of are, A, when you're drawing your deck anyway, and it's really unlikely for you to not. Like, when the draw is just really reliable, um, and uh, you didn't, then the schemes just aren't really adding anything at that point, uh, because they could have been something else, right? Like a silver, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so the other time is when you're being hit by those discard attacks, which we have alluded to before. So, And this is really only talking about when you are relying on spamming schemes to uh, set up you know, a bunch of cards on top. Sure. When you're being hit by discard attacks and then forced to discard the cards that you've set on top, it really hampers a lot of the benefits. Sometimes it can even be harmful because if, you've got, if you set those good cards on top, uh, then you get discarded another 
in the discard pile, effectively at the bottom of a shuffle instead of where you wanted them, which was in your hand. So, so uh, that's the only thing, but th- those are pretty rare. Yeah, um, it seems pretty narrow. Like, Scheme gets much better because its effect is, I think, at its best. In, yeah. in the case where you are drawing your deck, you want that extra little bit of reliability. Sure. So if you if you already have it, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now I think we can just talk about some special synergies and notes yeah. on this game, yeah? Hashtag special synergies. Yeah. So the big one that I want to draw attention to it first is Pathfinding. Uh, because the thing is that... Uh, if you put Pathfinding on the schemes, obviously putting Pathfinding on a cantrip is good because it turns it into yeah, an effective lab. Like, that's what I was going to say. I think this really boils down to the fact that Scheme is a cantrip. This does, except that Scheme gets to top deck itself. And so, like, the fact that the Scheme, you don't have to then pair Scheme up with another card that's good deck control. The Scheme is the good deck control. It's the card that you want to top deck in itself. There's a reason that Alchemist costs Potion. It's because that's a really powerful effect. Uh, to have this lab that top decks itself. So the scheme with pathfinding is something to look out for. More what this is saying is scheme is an especially good pathfinding target because it can top deck. I, I think it's an especially good pathfinding target because it's a cantrip. Like, you can scheme other things, too, and once you've schemed, yeah. like, three labs or whatever, the utility of that is a lot less. Sure. So maybe I would rather be scheming other things and put my pathfinding token on something else if it's more appropriate. Yeah, that's fine. It's I mean, a matter the, of what you want a bunch of in your deck that usually is non-terminal. Yeah, right. I mean, that's uh, it's a, a valid point, and maybe it is mostly just to scheme being a cantrip. But yeah. but you know, you see the two of those together, and you're like, oh, I'm going to draw my deck. I'm going to draw the crap out of my deck yeah. every single turn. Uh, so the other one that is interesting to talk about is Urchin, um, because you typically get two urchins and if you're lucky you collide them with just the two that you bought uh but i uh that that's asking a lot so you know usually you need to get urchins number three and four or whatever uh option number two you get the urchins with a scheme instead and you just scheme the urchins and that gives you twice as much likelihood to collide them so uh this it's a choice between getting your two urchins with a scheme or getting your tur- urchins with a third and fourth urchin-, urchin. Sometimes the scheme is better to have. It lets you scheme the mercenary when you have it. That's it's a big one. Yeah. It's a it's a good card for the deck going forward too. Um, pro- usually, I'd rather have a scheme than an urchin most of the time. Uh, but sometimes just having the extra urchins that gets you an extra mercenary. So eh. so uh, it's up couple... to you to make that call. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, we're still opening double urchin here. Yeah, we are not opening with a scheme. In I'm this talking situation, about your, right? your turn three. You're, yeah, you're you get getting, it. You get it later. You're getting uh, urchin urchin scheme instead of urchin 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 urchin. <laughs> uh, right. So that's that's important. Yeah. Uh, other thing that's important about getting a scheme over urchin is because scheme is a it's a better card for the deck not only because um, urchin doesn't do much when you're mercenarying them or discard attacking yeah. them otherwise, but it's much less clicking. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I have trashed an urchin from my deck, gone out of my way to trash that urchin, because I am so tired of clicking don't trash ten times on my turn. I'll yeah. have to do that with Scheme. That's true. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad really that glad I edited out that. like a minute and a half of me um, like trying to think of that. 
Woo! Uh, yeah. All right. So the last one is the opposite uh, for me of a synergy. This is like uh, you would think that this would work uh, by reading it, and then, yeah. and then sad trombone it doesn't. Is travelers? You can't top deck the new traveler because you're exchanging and it loses track or blue Rip dog or whatever. Yeah, treasure yeah. map that doesn't really work either, does it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or scheme kind of hard counters young witch, huh? Yeah, there we Schemes go. Schemes the bane. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can laugh at young witch right in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, I would say that uh, other special things with uh, scheme as good enablers. Uh, I would say that scheme is good for decks with no trashing, obviously, or uh, you know other decks with reliability issues. I think that scheme makes draw to X decks less bad. Sure, I think it. I think for the same reasons, it makes like almost every deck less bad, though. Right, like sure, it makes it more reliable. And draw to X has that deficiency, yeah. Uh, that it's not reliable, and scheme helps with that. So it's like, uh, let's say you have um, this poutine, right? Yeah. Do you, you know what poutine is? I have no idea. It's a Canadian dish. It's like French fries with Ooh. cheese curds smothered in gravy. Hmm. It's amazing. You need wow. to eat this before you die. It's amazing. Yeah. Sounds and like so I'll like die shortly after. Mo- <laughs> yeah, but, um... <laughs> most most decks you build are a delicious poutine. Yeah. And scheme is extra gravy because this is America and we love that, right? Yeah. And your life is better that way. However, uh, draw to X decks are like cheese fries without gravy. And scheme is still gravy and it's just a much more important addition to that. I think I'm following this. Yeah. I'm not, but we have to humor Adam. <laughs> but, um, he yeah, has. So. Finally, uh, I think Crossroads, decks which rely yeah. on Crossroads as their main form of draw, which sure. are bad decks with consistency issues, uh, but are boosted by scheme as well. So these, these yeah. kind of janky decks that may not otherwise work can be pushed into the realm of viability because scheme is so freaking good at what it does. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that, any uh, draw card that relies on some component lining up with it, you know. Uh, we mentioned Shepard earlier, too. Uh, Crossroads and Shepard kind yeah, of function similarly in that respect. Pretty much do the same thing in terms of drawing cards. Yeah. In terms of the support that they want. Yeah. Scout! Woo! Woo! Yeah, turns out Scout Crossroad is only good in puzzles where you get to a certain perfect shuffle luck. Yeah. Yep. We did it. I've, I've been there, Jake. I know. I just happened to have done it four years ago. <laughs> And now you got to share that experience with me. It's true. I never actually got to play in the scout meta. Um, <laughs> you know, it's... I mean, I have it. It's, it's over there. That's all right. I can put some sleeves on it. We can force scout into every game. Well, I have... I mean, you can you can design a kingdom where you get the scout. You know on Goko, if you played the Intrigue campaigns, mm-hmm. those were basically all kingdoms designed to make scout good. <laughs> it was really weird. <laughs> It's like Scout is the only card that's worth Ironworks in here. I think I'm going to get a second Ironworks so I can get more Scouts. <laughs> like, it was really strange. Well, I, um, I mean, so I, I have lost to, so like I have lost to uh, Scout because I designed a kingdom to make Scout good as like a, you can do all this and Scout will still be bad. And I accidentally made Scout good. Whoops. So, yeah. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Oh, it's just the worst, man. Nobles and Mill. And... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nobles. Such a good village. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So, do you want to uh, talk about a kingdom? Oh, yeah. We're not done yet, are we? The scheme in it? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a kingdom that has scheme in it. We're going to play that kingdom. Um, it's got some cards in it. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to read those cards. Nice. Uh, it's going to be in an order. Cool. All right. So this kingdom has Duchess, Farmer's Market, Sheem, Steward, Conspirator, Mountain Village, Necromancer, Patron, Counterfeit, Scepter, and two projects, Pageant and Pizza. Uh, Piazza. Once more for our audio-only listeners, we have Duchess, Farmer's Market, Scheme, Steward, Conspirator, Mountain Village, Necromancer, Patron, Counterfeit, Scepter, Pageant, and Piazza. So, this is a kingdom... Where you have Scheme, and Scheme is good. Uh, yeah, Scheme seems, uh, pretty decent. This is the hard-hitting Dominion commentary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so all the components that you want are pretty much here. You have a village, you have a draw, there is plus buy. Uh, I guess you're not, you don't have an attack, but there's, you know, there's an extra stack of VP in Farmer's Market if you really need to. So there's yeah. all the ingredients for the uh, recipe of, I want to draw my deck this game. Yeah, and and not just I want to draw my deck, but I want to like be in a really good spot because I'm drawing my deck. You usually That's, are. Drawing yeah. your deck is great. It is really great. And yeah, the so Steam is great in there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at I think that to to draw your deck, you're you're mostly you're I think you're looking at more than one province per turn. Um yeah, I mean, I you don't have to so. you don't have to commit to that obviously, but I think that uh you can do that. And I think key to that is going to be the conspirator split. Well, Conspirator is so. a great card for the deck. It has that natural, hashtag natural synergy with Scheme. Yeah. You know, you can top deck two Schemes every turn, and then all your Conspirators <laughs> will be turned on forever. Nice, nice. Uh, so By you, the way, that's that's garbage. The reason Scheme and Conspirator have a synergy here is because you can top deck a village, which Conspirator is much happier with. Anyway, right. So. I mean, they're, yeah... Sorry, I had to get that. No, you're good. I mean, in effect, they're not that different in this case. Uh, but what are you what are you opening with here? So um, uh, you want to trash your cards? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I'm going to get a steward. That yeah. seems pretty obvious. The steward is non-negotiable. Yeah, like on a five-two. I mean, sure, I'll get the counterfeit and I'll I'll move on with my life. But uh, otherwise, I'm getting a steward. Uh, the other thing you get with your steward. I could see second steward being okay. Yeah. I could see patron being okay. And uh, you had advocated for a scheme opening, and I think that's worse than both steward number two and patron. Nice. Okay, so I like scheme steward over steward steward because I have collided stewards too many times, and I'm not ready to be hurt again. Uh, So, like, I understand that the the two stewards is potentially trashing a little faster, but it's not trashing that much faster than scheme steward. And I don't have that horrible risk of colliding them. I understand that colliding the stewards isn't that big a deal because, you know, you're just trashing that turn anyway. But it's it's unfortunate here, though. It is. Like, if, if I collide stewards and I open double steward, yeah. I wish that was a scheme. Like, there's no question I would be much better off if that was a scheme. And if it doesn't then uh, you potentially thin a little faster if you had gone double steward. I, I still like the scheme steward in this case, though, uh, because the scheme is a decent card to have in the deck anyway. The second steward is too, but 
the I mean they're both the same for me and I like the the guaranteed prompt trashing rather than the potentially lightning fast trashing. Hmm. So I think lightning fast trashing is important here. I do too. Uh, the draw is not super strong. Stewart is the only way to increase hand size, other than that delicious pizza, which needs lightning fast trashing to work at all. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I, I think the trashing is important. Also, um, you want to get to that point where you're just shoving conspirators in the deck. Yeah, the and, conspirator uh, split is, I think, going to be pretty important. Uh, I mean, it'll help whoever gets more conspirators. It's definitely a good card to have a lot of in the deck. Yeah. Um. So I think, I mean, I think I like Steward Steward more than Scheme Steward. I think there's something to a patron Steward opening, though. Okay, what's that doing for you? Uh, helps you get to a counterfeit pretty early, which is great for the deck. Uh, it helps you save up a couple villager tokens pretty early, which is also pretty nice. Um, it's fine. I want some villagers in my life. It's going to increase the reliability of this deck, um, you know, along okay. with Scheme. I'm yeah. probably going to want maybe a scheme or two in my life, but having some villagers for, for the hard times... Right. You know, that's it's going to make me feel good. And a patron... Patron's a fine card from the deck. I actually should see if there's any way to reveal patron here. Ooh, Duchess. <laughs> Wait, no. No, it doesn't say reveal. Darn that's it. the story of the reaction from patron. You would think it should work. <laughs> But no, it doesn't. Patron's reaction is disappointment. And anyway, I'm a little salty about that. Wait, oh, there's pizza! There's pizza. pizza. We yeah. did it, guys. We did, we did it. it. Nice. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, are you Scepter-patron getting... combo! Woo! Uh, so, like, what else is going on in this board? Is the idea just to trash down and play conspirators and a counterfeit every turn? I think Farmer's Market's great here. do yeah so like you said you want to get more than one province per turn and it seems like a real pain in the tuchus to build up the two provinces here farmer's market is some extra buys i mean what else is my payload gonna be besides conspirators i'm gonna need some buys man to get more conspirators in my deck give me some farmer's markets i think it's good here i think you skip it and just use counterfeit for your buys all right so uh he thinks that scheme is good and uh, to open with and farmer's market is not good ever. Uh, look at that! Look at that delicious disagreement. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I'm gonna be surprised if you go for farmer's market here and have it be that great. I mean, it's got some interesting synergy with scepter because you can like get the money and then snag the points with scepter if you want to. Um, so, like, it's got that going for it. Maybe you do get a farmer's market for that purpose. I think that. Man, if you're getting a farmer's market, I think that those conspirators better be gone. Because, like, I think that if you're getting a farmer's market, it should just be a conspirator or counterfeit instead. Um, like, I don't, Did you know that farmer's market costs three, which is less than the other cards? Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so Good commentary. Nice. Yeah, I, I don't... I, I'm not warm on farmer's market here at all. Uh, so... What's it? What's it doing for you? It's giving you plus buy mostly. Yeah, VP tokens. Oh man, I don't think those are really going to factor in too much. You're going to get them, but like... what do you think? Leave a comment in the comment section. I feel pretty good about this read. I think Scepter's okay in the deck. I think you get it. 
Acceptors He's got okay, good sure. synergy with Patron. I think Farmer's Market's pretty good. I like a, I like a double steward opening or steward. I really should make up my mind. Do I want the patron or do I want steward number two? Mm. Are you getting pageant? No, pageant's garbage. All right, sweet. I think I want double steward. Double steward. I like double steward opening. All right. The high roll potential is just so good. Like, you can just be so far ahead if they don't collide. If you see one on turn three, one on turn four. It could just be game over at that point. Th- that's true. Like, all that's... Definitely true. Yeah. But if yeah. the scheme steward works out perfectly, it's not that much worse. Yeah? I mean, it's it's slightly worse, but it also doesn't have the downside of them colliding, right? And Yeah. I think the downside is less bad. Upside is way more. It's not I like my steward how much, how much more is it, though? Like, 55. Scheming the steward is similar. Right? Sure. Yeah. 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 So uh, let us know what you think uh, about Farmer's Market opening with the scheme here. Yeah. Um, How are you going to go for the Duchess split? Yeah. I, I mean, really, uh, Necromancer with Zombie Mason. Yeah. I mean, if you play a Duchess, or like if my pizza doesn't reveal an action, boom, Zombie Mason. Yeah. We Trash a copper. Boom. Um, <laughs> that copper is gonzos. Get out of here, you stupid copper. Nobody likes you. Still have a copper in my you deck. Fucking piece of shit. Anyway. Actually, I'm going to be surprised if you get a Necromancer here. I, I don't think it seems that great. Yeah. I, yeah. So yeah, uh, why, don't you, why don't you hit us up? You can leave a comment in the comment section. You can go to the forums or our Discord server. Yeah. Uh, you can get to all of that from uh, adamhorton.com. You can go to the menu things in the, the uh, top of that uh, What Should You Beat there. Or you can just uh, view the links in the comment section or the description. Jeez, I can't freaking talk. Um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, you can go there. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we did hear from you about the Renaissance. A lot of people were telling me how I was wrong about a lot of things. Nice. Um, that's great. You know, <laughs> sometimes that happens. Uh, but but we want to hear from you. Also, we got some really good feedback about just you know general quality of life things. If you're listening to this, we want to hear from you. We appreciate that you are listening to this. And we hope you continue listening to this podcast. Until next time. Anyway, so I've been holding on to this for a long time. Like, I've had this picture since before the baby was born. And I've just been constantly forgetting about it. So... I was in Walmart and I saw this product. What is um, this? I'll put a picture of it on the screen right now. It's called Ear Candles. It says naturally relaxing. And if you'll take a look at the picture, you can see that it's lit. I mean, well, it's it's very – it's supposed to be lit, although it's clearly not lit in the picture. And then you're, it's, you're sticking it in this woman's ear and while well, it's lit. And apparently it's supposed to be relaxing. Does it – okay, so it's not – so it's it's regular synthesized wax, not it's organic handcrafted wax. beeswax. Okay, so it's it's not like it's just. I mean, it's it a looks candle like you just put in your ear, and that looks this looks like a hazard. Like, are you supposed to go to sleep with a lit flame on, I don't, attached to your head? I don't know what this is for. I'm really confused, but like. I'll go to Walmart and, like, I'll see this because the box is really tall and it's yeah. on the top shelf, so it's just sticking above everything else. And it's like, 
ear candles, and, like, the packaging is completely unhelpful. It doesn't tell you what it's good for. It just says naturally I, relaxing. I would offer to raffle these off, but I feel like we're going to get sued if somebody dies using them. So if I don't if wanna... anyone can tell me what they're for and sign a waiver... Then... Yeah, then we'll give you some. You'll, <laughs> we'll say you price. won the raffle, yeah. yeah. Um, 